The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Trayvon Bramell was younger than nine-time Olympic champion Carl Lewis when he broke the 10-second barrier in the 100 metres back in 2014. The American sprinter was aged 18 years and 338 days when he clocked a time of 9.97 seconds. And the future looked very bright after a joint third place at the 2015 World Championships. Injury hampered his Olympic performance in 2016, and then it all went a little bit quiet from Trayvon. That quiet period seems to be over. Trayvon set a world-leading time in May 2021 of 9.88 seconds and is looking like the man to beat in 2021. It's my great pleasure to have him here now. Uh, hello, Trayvon. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, daily training, uh, working hard. Uh, just staying focused, really. So give me a rundown. Like, what have you been up to today? Oh, uh, well, right now it's 102 uh, in the afternoon. I actually just got done training. Uh, so came home uh, just to hop on with you. Uh, beautiful day, sunny, uh, great weather. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of norm, you know, at this time of the season. Uh, so me, it's just, like I said, I, come, I go to practice, come home, relax, and get ready for the next day. And what does relaxing look like for you then? Uh, I, I play, I play games. Uh, I work on photography. Uh, I read. So them probably my main go tos. Uh, today I have my, I have my brother actually up here uh, in, in, in the city with me. So we probably gonna go out and take the drone out and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, we you know just gonna have a good time. You know, uh, enjoy this weather. Uh, so that's the that's really the focus for today. You mentioned your brother there. I mean, I wanted to talk to you about growing up in Florida. I mean, to explain about what it was like growing up for you. Uh, I mean, for for me, uh, it's probably a lot different from a lot of people. I grew up on like the south side of uh, my neighborhood and everything, so it was a lot of you know poverty, uh, low income families, and hard times. Like you deal with a lot of like gang violence and and things like that, police, like crooked cops and things like that. So it's just a lot of negative, you know, but I mean, we stay positive because, you know, we love each other and, and we keep, you know, close knit with the ones we care about. So for us, it was just a day in a life for many looking from the outside in. It's, it's, it's tough, you know, but, you know, it, it gave us our tough skin to, to deal with the things in life. What was your first Olympic memory? Is Is there something from your childhood or something where you were watching it on TV? Um, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't have really like childhood memories of the Olympics. Like I said, I, I grew up pretty much with nothing. Like we had cable and stuff like that growing up. So I couldn't really watch too much of that stuff. Uh, for me, I was always outside trying to make a way. So I, I didn't really have the opportunity to really have, uh, fond memories of watching the Olympics. For me, it was, if I did see anything pertaining to the Olympics, it was more on YouTube. And I mean, you went through all sorts of kind of injuries. You broke your left knee in eighth grade, doing backflips, broke your right knee, your forearm in ninth grade. 10th grade was a cracked hip. I mean, 
what was going on, Trey? <laughs> like, no, you know? I mean, it, it, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. Like, I feel like the doctors tried to tell me, but I feel like it, it, it was what it was. Like, I think it was just, uh, uh, it's just part of the story of mine. You know, I, I don't look too in depth of like how or what was the reason. Um, I feel like it helped me uh, more than anything because I had to work twice as hard as of like rather than any other athlete. So that was a great thing that came out of it. Like I wasn't a slacker because I knew I lost so much with having those injuries. You're kind of running up against the odds in a way, right? Just in, in loads of different ways. And the doctor said pretty much that's it. You know, forget about running, right, at that point? For the first time. Well, all the times, like every doctor, even up until like, even up to now, like every doctor has said, this will not happen. Like even recently, uh, when I changed groups, when I had my Achilles situation, even then the doctor was like, hey, I don't think we can bring them back. And yeah, I think that's the beauty behind the story is that every odd that was set against me was pretty much a slap in their face. Just go on and on proving people wrong. You know, like you became the first 18 year old to break 10 seconds. Uh, I mean, it's incredible achievement at that time. And, you know, like after that difficult time of all those injuries and growing up in your situation, college just sounds amazing, man. It must have been so much fun. Yeah, like the environment of college was cool. Uh, met a lot of great people, great individuals that helped, you know, mold me into who I am today, uh, helped me stay focused on my path. Uh, obviously, like, it, it was fun, like, dealing with uh, great people, uh, running fast, obviously, the college ex the college experience, the parties and, the, you know, the outings and things. So that was cool to actually see what happens outside of Florida uh, as well, like, because I went to the state of Texas. So I got to see like how another state operates and deal with things as well, how different people are as well in different areas. So that was cool. Um, obviously, I wasn't there that long. I was only there for two years, but it was the best two years of college for me. And I remember um, in the 2015 World Championships, um, that particular 100-meter race is probably... I don't know. I could be persuaded by a lot of different races, but that one was super exciting because of Bolt going up against the odds and, you know, what happened with you in third place as well. I mean, what was your big takeaway from the 2015 World Championships? Uh, for me, uh, I, I would say it was kind of like the coming out party of like knowing what I could do and be, you know, be potentially. Um as you know, like coming coming into that year, like I pretty much have solidified being one of the fastest teenagers to ever, you know, run. Like I ran nine eight as a teenager. So that was a very, you know, accomplishing thing that I was able to hit in my life. So it was kind of like, okay, this kid is in another bracket. So for me, it was just like, okay, I'm running with the top of the top now. And I'm like right there. And I just turned 20 years old right before uh, Beijing. So that was like, it was crazy, you know? So for me, it was just, hey, stay focused. Keep uh, keep being, you know, motivated by everything that you've been through and, you know, look, look forward. It 
then you hit the 2016 Olympics and well, I mean, it didn't go to plan actually at the Olympics, but it was incredible almost what you managed to do considering what happened there. I mean, could you take people through for what happened at the, the last Olympic Games for, for someone who doesn't know? Oh, uh, so I, obviously I had a bone spur. Uh, for some reason, everyone makes it like, a, oh, he had an Achilles tear. I didn't have an Achilles tear. I had a bone spur that grew uh, on the back of my heel that was almost inserted into the uh, tendon. Uh, so we ended up getting that removed uh, after after the Olympics. But that was the pain that I was dealing with uh, before uh, USA track and field championship, national championships to make the team uh, going up into uh, the, the games uh, in Rio. So that was like an on and off bother for me as an athlete who who has to run, you know, so dealing with that was very painful, uh, especially going into the Olympics, just coming off of, you know, equal in my PB. I was almost one of the guys to say, OK, could he beat Bolt, you know, being one of the youngest as well. So going into it, it was just it was just constant pain, constant pain. And I honestly, I didn't know what to do from there, but just seize the moment and just be happy that I was there instead of trying to, you know, wallow in my own sorrow. I just had to, you know, keep my poise and just be happy for the opportunity. Because it's a tragedy in some ways that the Olympics isn't every year in this sort of context, isn't it? It was because, you know, like in the NFL, they get a, a shot every year. You know, like in the NBA, there's a shot every year. But, you, you know... You, this didn't happen at the right time, right? You know, and so you've got to wait now five years for another shot. It's crazy, man. I mean, you know, how hard did that hit you kind of at the time? Uh, for me, it, it wasn't as hard only because I was dealing with my injury and understanding that, okay, I have time before trying to make that presence again back on the Olympic stage. Um, so for me, it was just all about getting back into form and getting ready to go out there and try to make another team in the next four years. Uh, obviously with COVID coming into play, it gave me another year to continue training and getting stronger and readapting to, to the new group that I'm in as well. Uh, so that was a plus for me. The injuries though, they got bad, right? And, and they got to the extent that, you know, people around you, thought that you might walk away from the sport altogether. I mean, how close did you come to totally calling it a day? Uh, in 2018, I wanted to retire, but uh, like everyone knows who knows me and follows me, know I'm big on uh, my belief in God. And he just came over me and just told me like, hey, keep going, um, keep pushing it. That's, that's what happened. And we just started seeing drastic change in my life uh, and how things operate. And yeah, we're here and we're here today, you know, doing what we're able to do. And I think like you're the world leading, you have the world leading time at the moment. 9.88, not too bad. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good position. Uh, I, like talking to my coach and my agent, uh, when last time I ran nine eights, uh, it was at like the trial. It was at the trials, so to be able to run my second meet of the year at nine eight, I know we're in good position uh, to run fast. So it's just all about staying healthy at this point, just eating right, staying focused, knowing knowing the bigger goal of it all. And Tokyo being in the back of everyone's mind, I'm sure. I mean, 
I guess for you, for what you've been through in all these different times, it will be a real achievement just, you know, to stand on the final start line, right? You know, it must it'll be feel good, I I bet. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we like like we spoke about a little bit earlier. Like we trained for four years just for this moment, uh, and I think it's going to be big for everyone. You know, to be able to represent their country to go out of there and put on the best show possible. You know, with with competition against these other great competitors. I think that's the thing that we think about day in and day out. Uh, going to represent our country to our highest ability uh, and come come out victorious. And the relay as well, like. You know, the U.S. are a pretty tight team there, man, as well. It's like, you know, it's exciting to, to think that you, you know, you're in the mix for two big gold medals there, man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the 4 by one is definitely always the party of the of the championship, in my opinion. It's the fun. It's the excitement. Uh, and I feel like in the past few years, like, we've definitely shown depth in the sprint side for the U.S., that if anything, we can we can get pretty close to a, to the record. Uh, so I just think just practice, staying healthy, um, and just going out there and put out our best foot forward. I feel like it can it can be achieved. And do you have some like kind of music or something like that that helps you motivate you for competition? Oh, I listen to I listen to a lot of uh, rap music, uh, just the more more so rap music that I guess relates to me and how I grew up because it kind of keeps me like motivated, like about my humble beginnings. Like I'm like, OK, like I, I got a bigger purpose than just trying to go win a gold medal, go win a fast time. Like what I represent is bigger than track and field. So like I have to remember that, like I feel like a lot of people do sports against the sports because they they want to be loved by the crowd or they want something material out of it or they or they just want to be famous they just want to be in the light of things and for me i ain't i ain't never been like that like i've never been a kid that was just like oh i want the world to see me or i want i, I want to go win medals so everybody praise me like i've never been that guy like I, like this what i do is bigger than me like it's it's kids out there that need hope and something to believe in it's it's you know it's it's families and, and, and human beings that can thrive off of, off of this information and, and what I give in this sport as, as far as like the presence of it all. So like, that's, that's me right there. Like that's my gold medal. <laughs> is, is there a particular artist that gets you hyped up like that? What is, who you lit? What, who gets you in uh, that mood? Uh, it's, it's many people like uh, right now, like we got a big artist out of, uh, out of our city called Rod Wave. I listen to him. I listen to uh, Kevin Gates. But even from the motivational side, like Eric, the uh, the hip-hop preacher, like I listen to a lot of his podcasts. Like since I was, I want to say like in the 10th, 11th grade, I've been listening to his stuff. So I've been like, I've been listening to him a lot. Like he kind of, he kind of uh, put it in perspective of like what I represent as a person on the track. Cause like he, like I ended up speaking to him one time or uh, we had ended up uh, FaceTiming. And I was telling him, I said, would you believe that when you came to my school in 2013 that you were speaking to a future Olympian? Like, and he was like blown away because I was like, dude, what you said changed pretty much almost my whole world and what I believed in. So like, that's what I represent when I step on the track. I'm like, because the same effect that he had on me, I could have on a person. And I tell people all the time, like, if I can change or help one person, then I can help millions. 
all I got to do is just help the perspective or the mind of one individual. That tongue can speak to somebody else and speak to somebody else, speak to somebody else. Then I'm doing what I've been supposed to do on this earth. Like that's that's how I feel about it. Like people think, oh, like oh, you want to go win gold? You want to go? Run? I'm like, man, that's that, that's the I think that's the blessing of the purpose that I'm here for. Like that's just the luxuries, you know. Like yeah, of course everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be an Olympic champion. Yes, but what I represent and what's gonna be left and cemented through my own story and my faith is going to be powerful than a gold medal. What did he say that changed your life? Uh, he, he just talked about his life. You know, he spoke on what he's been through and his faith and how things changed for him. Um, and sometimes humans want to feel that someone out there knows how they feel. And that's how I felt, you know, not even just me, but even my brother and many others in our neighborhood, we always felt that no one understood, like no one understood what it feels like to be in a position of poverty of not knowing if you're going to be evicted out of your house the next day or if a bill will get paid or, you know, think police brutality, think like people, like a lot of people don't know. So for me, it was like, dang, this is another individual who know how I feel and he made it. Like, so it gave me some hope. Like I tell a lot of people where I'm from, we don't have superheroes. Like we don't. So it's like, who do we look up to, you know, at the time? So to see that we like, okay, this man, he was homeless. He slept in a car. Like he didn't have money. And now he's one of the top paid motivational speakers in the world. He showed us that it can be a new reality and a new narrative to your life. So that's what I represent. To show many people around the world what you're in right now does not have to be what you live in forever. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what he did, man. He spoke, he spoke his truth, you know, and I feel like that's the thing that I gravitate towards because it's easy for many of us to put on a mask. Like, and that's what I don't gravitate to. I can spot what's real and what's not. So that's what, like, when people see me, they like, you know, like, oh man, like he, he yeah, I'm different. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not going to put on a mask to the world. Like I, I'm authentic. Like whatever you ask me, I'm going to give you the, the truth, you know, and, and whatever you see is what you see. And that's what I represent. I think it's so brave to be like super vulnerable in that way. And so like st straight down the barrel, it's like, it's tiring sometimes. Right. You know, it's, you know? It, it, it's, it, it all depends. It all depends on you. Like I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't never get tired of being me. I never get tired of, you know, keeping it, keeping it real with people. Like that's, I don't see how you could. I feel like it's more tiring to fake who you are, you know, or to live by a narrative that is not yours. Like it's like, it's funny to me. Like even when I see people out in the world or even, like it may be people in the track world and I'm like, that's not you. You putting so much effort to be something that you're not when the world will love you just for who you are. Like, I can't do that. Like, I can only be me. I can only be me. So this is what I'm trying to teach kids that it's OK to be you. Like, you don't have to be nobody else. You don't have to be like when people are like, oh, you want to be the next boat? No, I want to be the next Trayvon Bromel because what boat has left is what boat purpose was. What Trayvon purpose is, is what he is going to leave and cement to the world. I can only be me. I will never try to live in the shoes of someone else. 
have like this thing called the Proust questionnaire. Have you heard of this ridiculous thing? No, I already. <laughs> right. Okay. Strap yourself in. Mark Mar- Marcel Proust was this like I don't know French thinker from about a hundred years ago, and basically there's thirty five questions. They reveal an individual's true nature. Throw me a number between one and thirty five, and I will throw you a couple of questions. Three. Oh, this is an interesting one. What is the trait that you most dislike in yourself? The trait that I most dislike? That's tough. The trait I feel like I dislike about myself is that sometimes I think too much of my past. Like to where sometimes it like puts me into like a separation mode to where it's like I don't want to be bothered or speak to nobody. Um, I think that's probably like the one trait I have that I don't like, which I actually, I like, I go to therapy for that. Uh, because it's, like I said, it, it had been a point in my life where I like disappeared for like a month and like nobody knew who I was, but like one person, like, so it's like stuff like that. I feel like I don't like, because I don't, you know, I don't like separating or leaving people and worry like that, that especially like the ones I care about. But yeah, that's definitely one, one trait I don't like. Oh man, super honest. Thank you. Should we do another one? Hopefully, we can be have a bit more of a positive. And let's let's pick another number. All right, for sure. Oh, uh, seven. Seven. <laughs> this is a good one to end. What is your current state of mind? <laughs> My current state of mind. I'm, I'm positive, man. Like I, I tell people all the time. If, if you got any negativity coming or you want to speak or something negative, like don't even bring it to me. Like my life is just straight positive right now. Like I'm in a whole new frame of thinking. So for me, like if it ain't something that's uplifting or on the, on the, on the good side of things, then you can keep it to yourself. You know, like even to this point now, like I don't even, like even when people try to bring controversy between like, Oh, do you think you can beat this person? I'm like, look, man, I don't need, like, I, I'm just here to fulfill my purpose, like, regardless of what that entails. Like, I'm, I, I don't want negativity. So it's like, I don't, I don't need it in my life. Like, I didn't, I grew up with too much of it. So it's like, I leave it all, I leave it all in the past. Positive vibes only. Good. <laughs> Mate, well, that's brilliant. I wish you really the, the best of luck. You know, it's going to be such an exciting race and I, I can't wait. Oh yeah, definitely. It's going to be good. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Massive thanks to Trayvon. You can follow him on Instagram as I am Trayvon Bramell. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and we are just Olympics across all socials. Brilliant. Well, that's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together, and we'll see you very soon. Think, Think. like an Olympian. Olympian.